Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now, prepare your heart for a message from God's Word. This week, we're going to focus on what we need to stop doing. So the key thought for this, again, is that the decisions that we make today will determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. And we want to live a life, a story that's worth telling. Um, so let's just say this real quick. And let's, let's say if I wanted to go to Florida right after service, I wanted to get out of here and go to Florida. And I got on 23 right out here, maybe 71 if you're not familiar, 23. And I started heading north. Would that be a good decision, right? Am I going to get where I want to go if I head north? right? No, it's pretty simple. You know, if I'm going to go to Florida, I need to go south, but I got my bags packed. I got my swim, my swimsuit in there. I got, I got floaties for the kids. We got our, we're, we're ready to go on vacation. We're going to Florida, but I'm heading north. I'm not ever going to get where I want to go, right? Because here's the thing that you have to realize with your life is that direction, not intention, determines destination. Think about that. Direction, not intention, determines destination. Andy Stanley, a great pastor, wrote that in the principle of the past. So this is the deal. So direction, the direction your story is moving, not what you intend to say one day, but the the direction that you are heading determines the destination, not your intention. The way we are living ultimately will determine the story we tell, not what we intended to do, but what we are actually doing. And so today, if you look at the direction of your life, If you continue driving down that road, what story will it tell? If I continue to make these decisions, what story is my life going to tell? And today we're going to be looking at Moses. How many of you remember Moses in the Old Testament? You've seen the Disney movie, The the Prince of Egypt, right? Moses was the guy who, you know, God's people had been in slavery by the Egyptians for 400 years. God speaks to Moses he was uh, in the kingdom, he was adopted, but he had a, uh, uh, you know, the ability to have leadership and influence, and so God raises him up to lead the Israelites out of Egypt back to the promised land where God had intended them to be. They were God's people. And so in this story, Moses is raised up, and, and there's different scholars believe there could have been a half million people to a couple million people that are on this journey. And so they're, they're in the desert. It takes 40 years for them to get to where they're heading, to the direction that they're going in. And Moses is the leader. And so Moses is very busy, right? He's the head of all these people. There's all this change happening. They're heading in a new direction. They're heading to a new place. And so he's trying to keep it all together. How many of you feel like that with your life right now, right? You're just trying to keep it all together. So many things happening. You're extremely busy. You're overworked, underpaid, lots of problems, trying to fix everything, trying to get the kids here, trying to get the kids there. It's just life is busy and it can take us by surprise sometimes. So Moses finds himself in this situation and here's the deal is that all these people, he was trying to fix all of their problems. And so the Bible says from from the beginning of the morning all the way to the end of the night, Moses would sit in a chair, people would come up to him with their problems and he would decide who was right and who was wrong. You, You got kids like that? 
mom, he took this, he did that. You kind of deliberate right then and there, figure out who was right, who was wrong, come to a decision. Moses is doing that all day long. His father-in-law comes to visit and he sees what's going on here. And this is where we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 18, verses 15 through 24. You can follow along on the screens on the app this morning, or if you have the YouVersion Bible on your phone, Exodus chapter 18, 15 through 24 says this. So his, his, his Jethro says, look, Moses, what you're doing isn't good. So verse 15, Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will, whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. Look at your neighbor and say, not good. Look at your neighbor Say, what you're doing is not good. Now, I don't know about you, but if my father-in-law came to me with any sort of advice, I would have to kind of put that through my filter, right? It's a little hard to just accept criticism from your father-in-law, and that's what's going on here. He said, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions. Show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But then select capable men from all the people who, uh, from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring the difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, as God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything that he said. Now Moses was a good guy, right? He listened to his father-in-law and did everything that he said. So he said, look, here's the deal, Moses. If you keep doing this, if you keep heading down this road, where there's too much going on, you're overworked, these people are stressed out, you can't get to all their needs, you are heading for a spot that you don't wanna go. The story that you're gonna write with your life, if you continue to make these decisions, isn't gonna be worth telling. So he says, you need to make some decisions. So Moses had to decide to listen and obey and stop what he was doing, to stop the habits that he had developed, to go in a different direction, with his life. And so today, that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. So last week, we talked about what does God want you to start doing? What do you need to do differently to get to where you want to go, to achieve the destiny that God has for your life? And today, you need to talk about what does God want you to stop doing? You need to ask yourself that question. And again, I want us to focus just on one thing, because if we look at our whole life and all the things that we're doing, if we try to do everything at once, we'll never accomplish anything. And so figure out that one thing. Pick that one thing that you go, man, this is the top of the list. I need to change some of this stuff so that I can do what God wants me to do. And so if we were to move down that list, we tackle those issues one by one. I don't know about you, but my daughter Riley, she's turning three, October 25th, and she has now reached the the fantastic stage of her adolescence of where she questions every decision that we make with the word, why? So Riley, hey, I need you to go and uh, pick up your toys. Why? Well, because I need to do this. Why? And it literally can go on until you finally get to the point, which she doesn't really get yet, of the because I said so moment, right? So Riley asked why. So maybe today you're asking why. Kyle, what's the big deal? 
Why do I need to stop these things? What, you know, if, if I continue this, I know it's not the greatest habit. I know it's not this. But if you were really to play that out and to play it forward, why would you want to stop doing some of the things that you know aren't going to take you the direction that you want to go? And the first thing is this. Why do you need to stop? It's because you don't know what you're missing if you stop. So for Moses, if he would have continued to do that, he never would have felt the relief. He never would have been able to delegate. And this is a great passage that's taught in leadership all the time about how God has created us and taught us that we need to delegate things, that we need to hand things off to people, find capable men, he told him, to, to do the work and so that you won't be overloaded and bearing down. And I love what he said because, because here's the deal, because the people are going to be stressed out, their needs aren't going to be met, and your needs aren't going to be met. And so for Moses, if he didn't make the decision to stop, and if he would have continued down that road, who knows how his story would have been different. Maybe the people would have never made it to the promised land. Maybe the rest of scripture would have changed because Moses ends up burning himself out. He ends up quitting. The people get disgruntled. They all go their separate ways. And he never gets to the promised land. And so for you, what could you be missing? You don't know what you're missing. Think about the peace of God that when you confess that sin and that thing that's been hidden for so long that you've never talked about, you know you need to stop doing it. God convicts you time and time again. You know you need to stop. Think about the freedom that you would have if you confess that to God, if you brought some accountability into your life and that you could have the peace of God, not always looking over your shoulder, wondering if someone's gonna find out what you're doing. The peace of God can come. The blessing for making right decisions. Proverbs 10, 9 in the message says that honesty, which is integrity, lives confident and carefree, but shifty or shady is sure to be exposed. So when we live in God's will, when we make right decisions, we get the peace that comes with that. And we also get the blessings that come with that. When we let God be the director and the author of our story and we're living towards his direction and purpose to our life when you know you're in the center of God's will. Let me tell you something, planning a church is hard. This is just our third week if you're new. We launched on September 15th and it's difficult work to start a new work up. It's difficult work to, to do everything that we needed to do and this is honestly in all of my ministry. Jess and I left a church of about 7,000 people to move back to plant here. It was a, it was a secure position. We had a, a good salary. We had a nice place to live, you know, but we, we felt like this is what God's will was for us. This was the direction, the intention that he had for our lives. And I can tell you this, that there's no sweeter place to be than right in the center of God's will. Because when you know you're in God's will, you know that his blessing is there, you know that his favor is there, you know that he is there. And he says he will give us the strength and everything we need to do that. So you don't know what you're missing if you stop. The second reason why you need to, to stop making these bad decisions is you don't know what it'll cost you if you don't stop. If you play it forward, at this moment it may not be costing you much, but you may not know what it would cost you if you stopped. Moses, he could have had a nervous breakdown. He could have quit on God. There could, there's just no telling where his story would have went. And there's a biblical principle, and you've heard this many times before, is that you reap what you sow. It's a biblical principle. If you sow bad decision after bad decision, you're going to reap bad consequence after bad consequence. And the Bible says that God is not a man that he should be mocked, that we reap whatever we sow. And so God can, can redeem you. He can forgive you of a bad decision. I, always, I used to tell students all the time in youth ministry, I'd say, look, if you're gonna have sex before you get married, which is outside of God's plan and his will for your life, that, that yes, he could forgive you of that. But if you get pregnant and you have a baby, that baby is gonna be with you forever. 
It's not going anywhere. So God can forgive, he can redeem, he can bless after that, but the consequences of our decisions will always remain. And so if you don't stop what God is telling you to stop doing, you may not know what it'll cost you if you don't. A prime example of this is Tiger Woods. If you look at Tiger Woods and what happened to his life, where he was, where he was heading, and then, as you know, he had a multiple affairs, and he, he lost his, he went through a divorce, he lost his family, uh, that seg, you know, they're, they're separated now, you know, I know he has a new girlfriend now, all that stuff, his career's starting to turn around again, but, but since that happened, it altered his relationship with his kids forever, his reputation will never be the same, his family will never be the same, he lost sponsorships, he lost millions of dollars, and he still has yet to win a major tournament since that, since that happened. And so if he would have played it out, if he would have realized where he was heading, he didn't know what it was going to cost him. And today, God is, is wanting you to stop because he wants you to live this life. Our, our vision here is that God created you, and we want to help you discover the life that God created you to live, that he wants you to live an amazing story that's worth telling, but he gives us this thing called free will, that he doesn't make us robots, and he doesn't pre-program us to do certain things, that he gives us the ability to choose. So he says, I want you to choose right. I want you to make right decisions. I want you to make, to start doing things. But these things that God tells us to stop, we must stop them because we don't know what it could cost us. So I like to do this with decisions that I make and within my family and and, and just in life in general, I always will just play that decision forward. Okay, so if I go this direction, if I do this, if I continue in this direction, what will it look like five months from now? A year from now, two years from now. If I keep letting Riley do what she's doing, that's the the big one. What's she gonna look like when she's five? You know, she's a little terror right now. So in in two years, so what do we need to stop doing with her or start doing with her to make sure she goes the direction that we want her to go? And so God does the same things with our lives. So play it forward. So some of the bad habits that we could look at, you know, and, and this is one we don't like to talk about a lot because, because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a common problem, but, but overeating. And, and listen, look, when I do a message, I get just as convicted as you, okay? So, so believe me, I don't have all these things down, but, but overeating. When I, you know, when it's, it's 10.30 at night, I already ate dinner and had a snack and I'm still not tired yet and I'm watching some game and, and I just roll by the kitchen and I, I grab something to eat. I don't even need it. But if I continue to do that, obviously I'm gonna, gonna pack on some pounds. If I keep ignoring my body, I think about things like this, that if I would let my health go a direction that God never intended to go, because the Bible says that, that, that our bodies belong to God, that it's the temple of God, that his Holy Spirit dwells within us, and that if this body isn't in good shape, God can't use it to do what he wants to do. And so if I continue to go down that road and I continue to overeat, I think about, you know, in 20, maybe 40 years when I walk Riley down the aisle someday. That, that will, I, will I be able to walk her down the aisle? Will she be proud of me if I walk her down the aisle? Will I have the physical health to, to play with my grandkids and to live long and to fulfill the purpose that God has for you? So play that out. May never get to see my kids graduate if I develop bad habits and unhealthy eating that affect my heart and the way that I live. And so that's something that we need to think about. If you're drinking or smoking, if you don't stop doing those things, what can that lead to? Play it out. Well, it's just not, a, not that big of a deal. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when you go into the doctor and he says, you have cancer. 
because that thing that you didn't stop, you didn't deal with, if you play it forward, that addiction that was simple, just social drinking ends up taking you to a way and you end up getting a DUI and you lose your license and you lose your job. I think we're getting a hint here. If you continue to play those things out, to play those decisions forward, where is it going to take you? Pornography is an issue that's rampant in the church, outside of the church. And, and for many men, it's the, that's the start of what ends up being an affair. And it starts with something small, and it's just every now and then, but if you continue to play that forward, and then your wife finds out, and it destroys her, and it destroys your relationship, and there's no getting it back. Play it forward. Money, if you keep overspending and spending more than you make, you'll never be able to get out of debt. When your kid needs to, uh, the ability to play a sport and it costs money and they want to do dance and, and you just look at them, you go, I'm really sorry, but because of the bad habits that I never dealt with and the issues, I can't afford to do that. And, and college is never going to be a possibility to help you do that because of the decisions that we're making. And, and I'll never be able to own my home and I may lose my home if I keep overspending and doing the things that I know will take me where I want to go. Just a side note, for those of you with young kids, many of you have young kids, they say right now, if your child's born in the last couple of years, by the time they get to college at the current rate and in inflation of tuition, it'll be at $250,000 for your child to get a college education. I tell Riley every day, you better start saving, girl, because dad's a pastor. Think about maybe some of the relationships that if you continue to nag your husband and tell him that he's no good, that maybe that's what you're going to get. And that if you continue to keep dating that guy who doesn't treat you well and keep thinking he's going to change and that eventually he'll come around, maybe he never does. Our relationships and having healthy relationships, God wants us to do that. So as you begin to play those things forward in your life and the the things that the Holy Spirit is even now convicting you and bringing to your mind of saying, man, you gotta stop that. You better stop this. So in light of that, in light of what God wants you to want is what we talked about last week, that God wants you to to live a life and life to the full, to, to be healthy, to be blessed, to be used by him, to fulfill the purpose that he has. We know that God wants those things for us. He wants us to be debt free and in healthy relationships and in thriving and not just surviving. That's what God wants for us. So in light of that, if that's what God wants you to want and we align our desires with his and we want what God wants for our life, what do you have to stop doing today to tell the story that you want to tell tomorrow? What do you got to stop doing in order to tell the story that God wants you to tell tomorrow? Because remember, direction, not intention, determines destination. You can have all the good intentions in the world, but they have nothing to do with your story. It's the direction and the decisions that you make that do that. Here, the thought doesn't count here. You know, have you ever gotten a gift like that? And you're like, you just take it home and, you know, you're like, wow, it's the a, a thought that counts, right? They, they thought of me. They tried to, to get something that I would like. That doesn't apply to your story with God. It's, your intentions have nothing to do with it. You could have all the intentions in the world to head to Florida on a family vacation, but if you're heading north, you're never going to get there unless you have a car that turns into a plane and a boat. You'll never get there. So what do you have to stop doing? I think there's external things that we just kind of talked about, that there's bad habits and behaviors that that you need to stop. But, But a lot of our issues, I believe, are internal. They're internal things that we need to stop doing. It's it's our attitudes. 
It's our attitudes towards our, our boss at work. You know, that, that you have a good job, you're blessed, but, but you just have a terrible attitude towards your boss. And, and listen, the one thing, you can't control what your boss does. We can't control what people do to us. But the one thing that's in full control that you have is your response to them. That you have full control over your emotions and how you respond to things in your life. So a lot of our issues are internal. It's our thoughts, it's our, it's our attitudes. Um, think about, uh, you know, it's, it's worry, that we're so worried about our kids. We're so worried about what's going on in our life that, that it weighs us down and we can't do it. It's an internal thing that we need to stop worrying, that we need to stop being so critical or, or anger or bitterness. They're just internal things that we haven't let go of, that if we don't deal with them and stop doing them, We'll never get to where God wants us to go. Today, I like to be vulnerable with you because, because I like you to know that, that I'm just as, as real a person as you are, that even though that, that God has called me and I'm, I'm pastoring and leading a church, that, that I'm just as human as you. So is it okay if I be honest with you this morning? No? Okay, you, you'll, still, you'll still come back next week. That, that's, what we, that's what we want. Um, but, but for me, when I, when I came to know Christ... When I was, I was about 14 years old, I made a decision. And even at that point, there were some external things and internal things that I had to deal with. And this may sound, you know, it was, at, at the time, as, a, as an eighth grader, I had a terrible mouth. You know, not in front of my parents, and they're here, so. But I wouldn't cuss in front of them. I knew the proper time. But around my friends, I had a terrible mouth, man. I would just swear all the time. It was awful. So I needed to stop doing that. The Bible says that we need to guard our mouth, that we need to be careful what comes out of our mouth because we're representing Christ in everything that we do. So I had to make a decision to stop that. There was girls and people that I dated, that I hung around with, that, that I had to stop doing those things because I knew it was going to take me somewhere I didn't want to go. And, and even through high school, I struggled with those issues and, and God would convict me and I'd, I'd be good at for a while and then I would fall back into those same things. And then the, the big wake-up call that I had was freshman year at Ohio State. And actually, it was right after a Badger game. It was 1999. And I went to my first football game and my wife is from Wisconsin and we have a few people on our team that are from Wisconsin. And so I was so happy that the Buckeyes won last night and uh, I appreciate you getting up this morning after staying up so late to watch that game. But, but I was at Ohio State, and I'd never been a big drinker. I was never really into partying. I was always the guy who would, you know, drive my friends home, and, and, and they knew I was a Christian. And so for the most part, I had it under control. So I was at Ohio State. I'm at my first football game on campus. And afterwards, I go out with my friends, same friends from high school that I'd been hanging around with. And, and we go out on campus, and we're over on High Street, and I go to my first college party. And I walk in to this apartment on campus and someone hands me a red Solo cup and uh, it was full of beer. And so I grab it, I take it, and then I leave the party. We were literally there like two minutes and my friends were like, hey, let's go over. It's just across this alley to this next apartment complex. And that's where everyone else is that we know is at. I was like, okay, let's go. So we get it. We walk down the stairs of the apartment. We walk around the corner. Right there were two police officers. And my friends were a lot smarter than me and had been in those environments a lot more. So they immediately dropped their cup and ran. And I was like, and I was deer in the headlights like, hey, what's going on? And they said, how old are you? And I was like, uh, 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 uh. They grabbed me immediately, got my one friend, handcuffed us together and threw us in the back of a paddy wagon for underage drinking. So I'm sitting there and thankfully it was early in the night. And so they made us sit in there for about an hour and then they wrote us a ticket, said, here's your court appearance. 
and they weren't done busting people yet, so they released us. That weekend on campus, it was a, it was a, you know, a, a targeted time. They arrested 250 people that weekend. So a few weeks later, I show up in court, and it's just packed, and there's news cameras, and trying to hide it from my parents. And, and when that, I was still living at home, my parents were on a youth retreat, and I was in the back of a paddy wagon. And I'm cuffed to, to my friend, I'm sitting across from him, and he's just whining and complaining, asking me to reach in his back pocket so I could give him his chewing tobacco. And God spoke to me very clearly, and he said, you may have all the intentions in the world of serving me, and I had a call on my life, and I knew it, and I was running from it. And he said, but if you keep heading in this direction with these people, this is where you're going to end up. And from that moment on, I had to stop going to campus. That was the first game of the season. I had a season ticket. I sold it. I was done. I said, God, I can't be in that environment if I'm going to really pursue the call that you have on my life. And at that moment, I really changed the direction that my life was heading. It was my wake-up moment. And from that moment on, I wasn't focused on Ohio State anymore, and that's where I was always planning to go. My mom worked there. My tuition was almost free, and, and, and I, I changed the direction of my life. But it wasn't with intentions. I still had the intentions that moment to serve God, but it was the decision and the direction that I was heading, that I knew I didn't want to go. So I had to stop doing those things. And I had a moment of clarity where God said, if you don't stop, if you don't stop with this, this is where you're going to end up. So for you today, I don't know what that is. God does. It's the the beautiful thing about God is that he knows each of us individually, that he can speak directly to you through his Holy Spirit, and he can convict you on something that, that doesn't convict me, but he'll speak to you and say, you need to stop whatever that is. And you need to allow him to do that. So what is it for you? So maybe I'll give you a little more help with some of these things, that issues that I see happening with people that I know. But for some of you, you need to stop being a slave to social media. Oh, that, that, that hit someone, you know. That just got in someone. But think about it. We're, we're consumed with how many friends that, that we have on Facebook or or how many likes that we're going to get. And so we, we, we randomly check back all the time to see if anyone's liked our picture of what we ate for dinner last night. We just, we, 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 we do that, right? And we, we, find, we try to find fulfillment in that. And, and, I, and even for me, I had to deal with it. There's an app that's called Clout. And what this app does is it grades your social media accounts. So for me as a pastor, I'm constantly engaging people on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all those things. And so it grades how effective I'm being and it gives you a score. Well, the thing is, is it shows you not only your score, but it shows you your friend's scores too who use the same app. So I found myself all the time checking my clout score to see how much clout I had in social media. And it's ridiculous, right? But I found myself where I was like, did they like this? Is that, is, did my score go up? My score would drop a couple points. I'd be like, I got to post something better. I got I to gotta post something that's going to get more likes. I got I to gotta post something that, that people are going to go, hey, great, great quote there. So I would look for a quote from like Ralph Waldo Emerson and throw it up and go, maybe that'll get me some likes today. And then my money like was always posting a picture of Riley or Maddox. It was like, that's guaranteed like at least 40 likes if I, if I post that. But I found myself in that where I was like, man, I'm getting controlled by this. So I just had to go in and delete the app. I deleted it off my phone. I was like, I'm not going to find my grade on how well I'm doing as a pastor or whatever from social media. Some of you with your Pinterest, you just need to find your own interest and quit pinning them all the time and, and find something that you can do. But 
but we can become a slave to that. Maybe for some of you, it's, you just need to stop trying to control everyone and everything. That, that if something gets out of your control, it always has to be your way. And if it's not your way, you don't take part in it. And, and there's a control issue that you just need to stop. And we talked about this a little bit ago, but some of you just need to stop smoking. You need to stop drinking. And, and listen, these things, this isn't a heaven or hell issue. Like if you keep doing this, you're going to go hell. This is a health issue. This is a, a, a living a life to the full issue that if you continue to smoke, it's going to kill you eventually. If you continue to drink, it's going to lead to bad decisions. So you just need to stop doing those things. You need to stop watching questionable shows. You know, Jess and I made a decision when we became youth pastors that we would not watch our movies, that we were just done with it. And I'm not pushing my conviction on you, but the Bible is very clear. What we put into our life is what's going to come out of our life. And so you may find yourself and going, man, you get cut off in traffic and all of a sudden, bloop, you know, beep comes out and you're like, where did that come from? Well, what are you putting in? What are you watching? Are you watching shows that have questionable things in there that you go, man, I wouldn't want my kids watching that. And that's the answer that I, once I had kids, I said, would I want my kids watching this? I decide what I'm gonna watch because what I put in is what's gonna come out. For some of you, maybe you just need to stop holding that grudge that you've held on to for so long. And you go, I know Kyle, but you don't know what they did to me. Listen, and we're gonna, our next series, we're gonna talk a lot about bitterness and unforgiveness. We've been planning that out over the last couple weeks. And, and I love the quote that says this, for that grudge, that bitterness, you go, you don't know what they did to me. Bitterness and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You don't move on from that grudge. You don't forgive from that so that you affect them. You move on for you because it's gonna release you. And some of you, Man, that grudge, that thing has been holding you back for so long, you just need to stop doing it. So I've explained the why today of, of why, and hopefully I have convinced you like I would convince Riley about what you need to stop doing, and I hope that you believe me. And here's some practical hows to what you need to do to stop. And we can learn these from Moses. And the first thing is very simple, is that you need to listen. You need to listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. And it, and I don't need to tell you, and, and many of you, you already know what that thing is you need to stop doing because you've played it forward even as I've been speaking today. And you go, if I continue to do this, it's not going to be good. And so you need to listen to what he's telling you to do. Moses listened to his father-in-law. How much more should we listen to our heavenly father, the Holy Spirit, who loves us, who has no ulterior motives than to see you succeed and to fulfill the plan that he has for you? We should listen to what he's speaking to us to do. But listening requires humility and being humble before God and realizing that you don't have it all together, that you're not in control of everything, that you're not perfect and your pride will destroy you, especially when it comes to your relationship with God. You need to kill your pride before it kills you. And then what do you need to do is that as Moses heeded the warning signs. You need to heed the warning signs, which simply means you need to obey. So you need to listen to what God's telling you to do, and that's the first part. And many of you, you're getting that right now. But then when you walk out of here, this is the Monday morning application, is that you need to obey. You need to do what God is telling you to do, because if you don't, it could really end bad for you. And today, God may be sounding an alarm in your life, and it's going off, and he's saying, warning, Warning, you know, like if you keep heading down this road, the, the, the detour signs are up, the, the flashers are going off, and he's saying, stop the car, get out, 
go another direction because if you keep going this way, I'm telling you, it's going to be bad. And for many of us, we ignore the warning signs. We keep going the direction that we want to go because of our pride, because we think we know better than God. And then we crash at the end. And then what do we do? We blame God. God, why'd you let this happen to me? How could you let this? How could I get fired? How could I lose this? How could my kids end up this way? How could this? How could that? And God goes, man, I was warning you for so long. And I'm so sorry this is where you're at. And, and, and if you can repent and come back to me, I, I got a way out. But God wants us to avoid the crash ending. He wants us to avoid heading to a place he never intended us to go. And that's the beauty of where you're at right now, is that you still have time. Whatever it is, you still got time. It's not over yet. It hasn't ended bad yet, but God's sounding the alarm today. The band's going to come. We're going to close out. But, but every night uh, with Riley, we, we do bedtime prayer. And many of you probably do the same thing with your kids. And, and one of the focuses of our prayer is every night we, we, we pretty much say the same prayer. And it's so cool because Riley's beginning to remember it. And I base it off the Lord's Prayer where we say, you know, our Father, we have a hallowed be thy name, or your kingdom come, thy will be done. That's a guideline for our prayer. So for Riley, I keep it very simple. We just say, dear Jesus. She says, dear Jesus. She repeats after me. And she says, I say, we love you. She says, we love you. She says, let your will be done in my life. Give me everything that I need to accomplish your will. And we go through that. And then we get to a point, and we focus really hard on this point right here. And we say, I say, help me to listen. And Riley goes, help me listen. And I say, and to obey. And she says, to obey. And I say, and to be a good girl. She says, to be a good girl. And then I say, help us sleep good and have sweet dreams. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's the prayer that we pray all the time. And today, I, as I was preparing for this, and as we looked at those last two things of the practical application, the take home for you today is very simple, is that when you talk to God, and God begins to convict you, and, and, and he, he does it because he loves you, because he's a good father, and he wants what's best for you, and you simply just go, God, Help me to listen. Jesus, help me to obey what you tell me to do.